You are listening to Jai Long, and this is Make Your Break, episode 122. Hey, today I talk with wedding photographer and elopement photographer M Jensen. She's from here in Melbourne, actually, and I met her a few years ago. And to be honest, you will see our dynamic and why I'm drawn to her and her work and her work ethic and all that kind of stuff. But I think she has just done so much in the industry in such a short amount of time. And I love her courageousness of going out there and niching down into a small specific thing and doing it her way, exactly the way that she wants to do things. So yes, she's a wedding photographer. Yes, she shoots elopements. Yes, she shoots film, things like that. And I think today's episode is really going to help anybody. doesn't matter if you're a designer, doesn't matter if you're a musician, like whatever it is, but um, just a creative entrepreneur thinking about niching down and really thinking, you know, like a lot of people don't know this. I don't know if you say niche or niche, depending on where you are in the world, but a lot of people don't know this, but the money really is, they say the riches are in the niches, right? The money really is when you niche down, people understand what you do. It's easier to market. It's easier to advertise. It's easier to connect with people with copy and things like that with your messaging. So it's really important to really think about. And I know it's actually one of the things that stops most people from getting to their next level of self or their next level of business because they always have such a roadblock and a limiting belief that if you niche down, if you niche down, you're going to run out of work. Your pool's so much smaller of who you can advertise to and people won't understand what you do and you're leaving money on the table and all these things. So I hope today's episode really brings you a new perspective on those things. Hey, before we get started, don't forget the Wedding Photography Summit is coming up and I want you to join that wait list. So head over to weddingphotographysummit.com if you're not already on my mailing list and you're going to have access to the pre-sale if you're on that. We're going to put it on my mailing list a week before it actually goes live on sale and give my community a chance to get the front row seats and get the other bonuses before they all sell out. So if you want to be part of my community, don't forget we have an awesome email that goes out once a week as well that gives you tips and tricks and all that kind of stuff. So I promise you I'm not going to spam you. You're going to get lots of value from it and um, definitely worth getting over there and getting yourself on that mailing list. So if you don't know what the Wedding Photography Summit is, it's for wedding photographers, it's for elopement photographers, it's for videographers, it's for family photographers, it's for basically anyone that has a camera that wants to level up, that wants to be motivated, inspired, that wants to be in a new room of people. We have some of the biggest speakers in the world. Last time we had Gary V. if you don't know who he is, it's huge, but we've had big wedding photographer speakers like Jose Villa, Indy Earl, Jonas Peterson, Kaylee from Kansas, Dawn Photo, like so many cool people. And um, I'm the host and everyone can get together and they're going to be able to connect. We've got some new ways that um, the community is going to be able to get together on this one. And um, guys, it's just going to be another level, another level to what anything we've done before. So I can't wait for you to get over there. It's only $7 a ticket. VIP is $47. And then we've got front row seats as well. So if you want to talk to me in between each speaker, if you want to have um, access to the party, if you want to have access to behind the scenes, all that kind of stuff, you're going to have to get on the mailing list because I know that will sell out before anything else. So without further ado, let's jump in. Let's talk to M and um, yeah, hope you enjoy. So I'm here with M Jensen. I actually met M. Met when did I meet you? Actually, 
must be like three years ago. I think it was at the Ultra Electric launch party um, a few years back. It was the first time. But I already knew who you were because I've been following Heartbreak Hotel for a while and your work. That's awesome. For those who don't know who you are, you're a wedding photographer here in Melbourne. Um, you have a very unique style. And I'm excited to have you on the podcast today because we're going to talk about your style and what it's like to sort of have the courage to stand out, do something a little bit different and lean into your own sort of superpowers and things like that. So, hey, how are you? I'm really good. Thanks for having me on. How are you, Jack? I'm very, very well. So tell me, do you actually listen to my podcast? I do listen to your podcast. <laughs> good. I love your podcast. It actually, it's helped me a lot. It's definitely inspired me a lot of time. I mean... We've already spoken about it, but Love Cats Wedding Expo was inspired by your podcast and that really helped me out and, and kind of saved my career for a little bit. So it was very handy. It's a great podcast. Everyone should listen. Yeah. So um, that's actually really interesting because I remember you reached out to me and you were talking about the the expo that you put on. And obviously, unfortunately, you kind of timed it a little bit wrong with, with COVID and yeah, really <laughs> that just didn't yeah. sort of work out. And, um, <laughs> but yeah, tell me like how has sort of business for the last 12 months being for you being in lockdown and yeah it's been really really tough it has been I mean the expo had to be postponed the first time and then I put it on again and it had to be postponed the second time so also just elopements I mean it's probably handy shooting elopements because when we can open up a little bit they're one of the first kind of weddings that can happen so it's been good in that way but it's also really kind of given me time to think about what I want to do and how I want to focus um, my wedding photography and to be able to niche down and, and work out how to go about doing that and how to change. I think it's probably been really good for a lot of people. It's given us time to clarify things and kind of reprioritize our lives in a little bit of a way. Totally. It's, it's been pretty crazy, hey? And during Melbourne, just like me, it's been the long, longest lockdown ever. Do you find yeah. like with, with these lockdowns, right? And you said something to me just before this episode of like, Jai, you're so busy and it seems like lockdown hasn't really stopped you. Do you yeah. think like some people have kind of just put yeah. on the brakes and stopped and others kind of just kept going? Totally. Some people have really leaned into it and I've seen so many people making really killer work, having time finally to be able to make personal mm. work that they haven't had before. I know I have really struggled with it and I've not been anywhere near as productive as I'd like to have been. I think it's a choice thing. And then I think once it drags out long enough, I mean, it's been over a year here now and it's just like your mindset is pretty locked in by that point. And I'm trying to get back and pick up the pace of how I was doing things before and how much energy I had before. But I think because it's been a year of not doing too much and not having much inspiration and feeling unmotivated, it's really hard now to get back into it. So I think it's really good that you've just consistently pushed through. Yeah, I don't think I kind of gave myself a choice. And to be honest, like it hasn't changed my world because... Nothing really changes. It's just like go to work, do my thing, yeah. make you know, make some content, create something. Yeah. <laughs> but it's hard because you can't do the work. I mean, there's so much other stuff you can do, like all of the business side of stuff and the accounting and you know, all of the background things. But the actual shooting is what drives me so much. And I found it really hard not having that as part of my day to day. And without that, it's like uh, then it is all just business. And that's not my strong point. I just love taking the photos. Totally. So it's just, it's been a bit of a drainer. I totally yeah. get that, man. And especially like now that you have created this expo that is um, kind of just came at the wrong time. And it's like, man, it's something that like, you know, you like create an idea and then you go out there and you want to do something incredible. And then it just all comes to a stop. Totally. 
yeah, it's really, really hard. And you just get so, I guess, disenchanted with doing anything. I mean, it's so much work, the expo, and every time it has to be postponed or anything that changes is so much more work than anyone realizes. And it's just really, really tiring trying to stay motivated and inspired to keep doing it and keep pushing through. And I think I've let that get to me a little bit too much, maybe. Totally. Hey, so today let's talk about niching down. Let's talk about having the courage of standing out. I think it's one of those really interesting things that people hate niching or niching, however you want to pronounce it, wherever you are in the world. People kind of hate doing it because they believe that they're not targeting everyone. So they're leaving money on the table by not serving everybody. And it's actually a really hard limiting belief to get people through to make them realize that like the more niche or niche that you are, the more that you can make a bigger impact, make more income. You can speak directly to your exact audience and all those things. So how's it been for you, you know, niching down and um, being different to everybody else? I think I definitely started in that point when I started shooting weddings and I had the, is it scarcity mindset where I was constantly worried that there was enough work for everyone. Actually, I remember listening to one of your podcasts and he said something like this. How many is it like how many weddings in Melbourne on a regular weekend when it's not lockdown times? There were like hundreds of thousands and there's so much work and it's so true. And I just became really tired and uninspired shooting weddings. It's just, I really respect people who can do that. And I love wedding photography, but it was just not my vibe. And I really, the little elopements I was getting booked to shoot occasionally, I found just like fueled my creativity. Like I was just like so much more inspired and so much happier to be doing it and so much more present. And so I decided that I was going to focus on that. And then from there, I've really, really niched down. So now I'm just shooting elopements with 20 people or less. And I'm only shooting two hours and it's all on film. So it's like the couples get 50 film photos and that's it. So it's quite different to a a lot of what's going on in the industry. I think I'm probably the only person I know of in Victoria at least doing that. And it's been great. I haven't worked than ever because the kind of couples that I'm going for, I've really done a lot of market research and worked out exactly the kind of thing they want. So it's at a price point where people who aren't having a massive wedding are just having a little elopement and, and want to celebrate in the park or in their backyard they probably don't have an insanely high price point. And just working out things like that, making sure that it's all aligned so that the couples that are looking for me, I'm within reach. I'm within the price point. I'm in the right places market-wise. Like, And it's, yeah, it's been terrific. I think this summer is going to be very busy <laughs> for everyone really in the wedding industry. <laughs> so let's just give our listeners some practical tips with that. It sounds like you did a lot of market research and things like that. So if I was going to niche down and get myself into, you know, my perfect small target audience, like what kind of practical steps would I take to start off with? I think the first thing is doing a lot of research. I know a lot of my friends and a lot of my couples from having worked with them before, the kind of elopements that they have and the price point that they have and the locality around Melbourne um, and their interests. And I think really focusing on those things and doing as much market research as you can so that you can target your ads and make sure that you're speaking to those people. Because I mean, I my entire website is not a very professional kind of really fancy wedding photography website. It's all very casual and laid back and chill. And that's the vibe of these people looking for these elopements. So it's worked out really well. I also chose to focus on film because a lot of the couples that I'm shooting know about film. They maybe are in the arts and they just want really small little packages because they're just not into 
big traditional weddings or church weddings or anything. So yeah, I think market research is the first step and that's so important. Making sure you're communicating in the same language as your customers. So not, I don't use a lot of kind of really wedding-y words in the way I communicate because these people are having unwedding weddings. You know, like they're going to be turned off if I'm saying all of these kind of really traditional phrases that the wedding industry use. Yeah, that's really helped me. That's really cool. Like let's dive into that a little bit deeper. So you know that your language needs and like in language and messaging needs to go and land at those right people. And you can do that through building a story of your website, through your work, through the way that you interact with them, social media and stuff. But so if you're niching down to that, such a small audience, how do you know that they are willing to pay for your services or that a market actually exists for what you do? I think it's all trial and error, really. I think it's testing it. When I first started doing it, I had a really low price point, which is where it actually is sitting now. It's $1,000 for a two-hour session. And that was basically to see if there was people who were willing to pay for it and actually wanted the service. And I kind of knew that there was already because I'd had a lot of elopement bookings that were these kind of people. And we're looking for something even simpler. You know, I had five-hour packages and they'd say, can you do something shorter because we don't even want that much. And they wanted less photos. So I trout it and then that's where I'm at now. And it's just been really, really good. So I know that I can put my prices up a little bit and change some things knowing there's an audience there. But there's no really... I mean, you can kind of hypothesize it as much as you like, but until you actually put it out there and see what the response is, there's just no way of knowing if people are going to want it or not. Okay. Here's the thing for you, because I know so many people get stuck on like the fear of failure because they think once... They try something yeah. and if no one books, then they've kind of failed. Like, do you believe that it's something that's, like you said before, trial and error where it's con- it's a continuum? So it's like, hey, it might not work today, but it might work tomorrow. And maybe my messaging needs to change. Maybe my offer, maybe my, like whatever it is, but you know that you can get there. You can get to that audience that you're trying to, or build that business that you really want to build. Yeah, absolutely. I think you just start with somewhere that's a middle ground that seems safe. It's still not safe because you're still trialing it. And then you can tweak things from there and people are going to be willing to pay slightly more or if you're offering something slightly different. I mean, originally I didn't start just shooting film, but then I was like, no, I'm going to try that next and just do it step-by-step trial one thing at a time and see what works. But yeah, it does. I mean, also things come in and out of fashion. Film is really fashionable right now and everyone's into film photos. Hopefully it doesn't go out (laughs) because that would be a pain for me. But you're going to have good seasons and bad seasons, but you just have to test it out and see what happens and just do it really gradually. I don't think doing something like doubling your price overnight is ever a good idea or just deciding you're going to go from 12-hour weddings to only shooting an hour. But just little incremental tests is really handy and that's really the only way you can see if it's going to work. Do you think that it was like partly from you and your idea of what you wanted to do but or it's also partly from what the clients actually wanted. Like maybe someone asked you to shoot film once, maybe you shot a smaller wedding and you realized that this is where it's at. Maybe like from trial and error and all those things, it was like, hey, I can actually craft something and these people actually want what I have. Yeah, it it started very selfish because I was like, I don't want to be on my feet for eight hours shooting huge weddings and taking thousands of photos and having to edit them. And I also much prefer shooting film. So I knew that I really wanted to focus on that. So it started selfishly and I put out an offering that was, I think it was a competition and someone won 12 Polaroids for their um, elopement. And that's all I was going to take, nothing else. And I went to this elopement and I ended up pulling out my film camera as well because it was so beautiful. It was a Lauderdale Gorge. 
and took some film photos. And afterwards, I think I had maybe 24 film photos and 12 Polaroids. And I was like, if I were getting married, this is all I would want. Like this is to me the ideal. It's simple. It's easy. And it's film photos just look beautiful. And Polaroids are physical things you have that you can put in a frame. You don't have to worry about printing them. So I don't know. And the couple were like, we have so many friends that want to book this exact thing that you did for us, but you don't have a package for this. So I was like, okay, there's a need. I'll make a package for it. And then I slowly wound down the wedding photography until that became the only package that I offered. But yeah, it definitely originally started from a very selfish Mm. point of, well, how do I want my work to look and what kind of weddings do I personally want to photograph? Because I'm not a big traditional wedding person. (laughs) And so I kind of, yeah, really wanted to change things up a little bit if I were to go into wedding photography, which I do love. I love that. So do you ever get a little bit scared that you won't have enough clients out there? Because I know most people that niche down usually think like, I understand that, Jai, but I really want, I don't want to limit myself to all the work because I'm afraid I'm not going to get enough of it. Totally. I was really scared at the start when I started doing it. To be honest, I wasn't shooting a lot of weddings at that point. I was still really new. So it was kind of like, I can only go up from here. Like I don't have that many clients anyway. I think if you're at a midpoint in your career where you're doing pretty well and you've got a lot of clients and then you decide to switch everything up, that would be really daunting. But because I was still new, I had a lot of freedom to be able to choose what I wanted to do and to start from the bottom. And also I think because I am offering at a lower price point starting out, I kind of knew that there would be a decent amount of people who were looking for something that didn't have a huge budget. So sometimes I feel like maybe the elopement couples I get aren't I mean, most of the time they are the exact kind of people and at the exact kind of job I want, but sometimes they're not. It's just that they're just like, well, you're cheap, which is not what you want to be ever. But knowing the clients that I'm shooting, I know that they have a lower price point. And so, yeah, it's just, it's really worked out. And like I said, I've had more bookings than ever and it's gotten really busy. So I don't know. I think, again, there might not be work for if your niche, if it's something really specific. You just have to check out what people are doing and what people want and speak to people that are having the kind of weddings that you want to shoot and see if there's a different kind of package that no one's offering that they want. Because there's a there's a huge, I mean, the wedding industry is kind of, I love it, but it's remained unchanged for a really long time. You know, we're offering the same kind of packages we were offering in the 90s, except they were on film back then. And there's a lot of room for growth and for change and for niching down because we have everyone sees weddings in a completely different way than how we did in the nineties. So I think there's so much space for people to come in and come up with their own niche and try it out. That's really cool. Hey, they used to shoot weddings in the nineties on film and you shoot weddings on film in the 2001s. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, I just wanted to like, I just wanted to sort of just finish off this little bit of a the conversation because I, I just know that there's so many people just like yourself, like yourself from like five years ago that, might have some fear around niching. Is there anything practical for you that you did to sort of overcome the fear? Was it just trial and error, like doing it, doing it, doing it until you proved that it worked? Was there a mentor that you reached out to? Was there friends that you talked to? Was it um, someone that gave you permission? So was there anything that sort of helped you overcome that fear? Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing I would say is to talk to people in the industry, but to not always take their advice. I feel like I spoke to a lot of people and a lot of people said, don't do it. And a couple of people said, you know what, just try it. Like Jack, the hitcher is always one to say, go for it. And so sometimes you have to 
like get their opinions and be realistic and maybe take a little bit of what people are saying to you into account. But if you're trying something new that people haven't done before, you're going to get a lot of hesitancy from other people in the wedding industry who've been doing it the same for a long time. So definitely speaking to people, but yeah, take it with a grain of salt. And yeah, just also speaking to your couples and offering a few different things and seeing what they're interested in is a really good one because it's it all comes down to the couple and what they want. And if if you're speaking to people and they're like, look, that's not really for me, then maybe it's not really for anyone. <laughs> what I want to ask is... Like, <laughs> the harsh reality. <laughs> yeah. You said Jack the Hitcher, right? Yeah. You probably asked a whole bunch of people, but you specifically remember her saying something. So why did her advice land on you yeah. differently to everybody else? Well, firstly, I see her as a bit of a mentor. I mean, she's been with me since the beginning. We've worked together and everything she says, I trust because she's killing it. And she's like the ultimate role model for mixing up the wedding industry, shaking things up and making it different. But also most of the other people I spoke to said, I don't think you should do it. And if you do, I think you're going to have to make it more mainstream. You can't just take 50 photos. You're going to have to charge higher. You're going to have to take more photos and you can't just do two hours. (laughs) And so I felt a little bit like, what am I, what, what do I do for me? Okay. I'm just wrong. But then I was like, no, I actually, I, I feel like there's something in this. And yeah, I knew as, as soon as I spoke to Jack, she would be like, I really, she's just like a safe bet. I know if I bring something up, it's a bit risky. She'll be like, you know what? Go for it. Like, just do it. Well, it's funny because what I was thinking was you asked all these people, right? But they probably didn't have the success that you wanted. They haven't done the things that you wanted. But with Jack, right? She's actually yeah. done the thing that you actually want. So then it might land on you differently because you're like, Totally. Yeah, I understand the advice you're giving me, but you've never changed anything. You've never done anything different. You've never experimented. You've ne- exactly. You don't actually know what it's like to put yourself out there. But when someone tells you from experience, it lands on you different, doesn't it? Definitely. And that is exactly how it was. The people I were asking them telling me not to do it were people who were doing it in a very traditional sense and weren't willing to change. And maybe they were scared and threatened that people are starting to change the wedding industry, that maybe they'd kind of start to date more and and age out or something a little bit if the industry moves too fast. Did you did you ask me? I don't know. I think there's a lot of fear. I don't you think should've. I did ask you. <laughs> yeah, I should have. What would you have said? Would you have said do it? Yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you yeah, did ask me yeah, about the totally. wedding expo and you're like, do you think you should? I should do this? And I was like, why wouldn't you? <laughs> you know, I have a really, a really good story about that for you actually. The wedding expo. So I just moved into my apartment by myself and I was paying tons of money in rent. And I it was the day before my rent was due. And I had, I think, like $80 in my bank account. My rent was like over a thousand dollars. And I was like, what am I going to do? And that day I listened to your podcast where you were speaking about the wedding expo and when you really needed some cash and you really wanted to start an expo. And I thought, all right, I might send out an email, see if everyone wants to pay me a hundred bucks to be part of this expo. I had no idea what I was doing. No plan. I was just like, Hey guys, I'm doing an expo and made exactly the amount of rent money I needed in that one day, exactly (laughs) to cover my rent. It was ridiculous. It's amazing. (laughs) It was like some kind of like cosmic stuff going on because it was like down to the cent. I mean, I had no more money for food that week, but I paid my rent <laughs> with the expo. So it was very handy. Well, next time you set that goal, make sure you include some rent and food money. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> no, it's so cool because um, here's the interesting thing about that. Like, I don't know if you know the story behind how that all came about. I probably told it somewhere, but um, 
I just wanted to do something different, stand out, and I wanted to shake up the industry a little bit. Everything was the same. And so I created this thing to sort of, I don't know, like stand out at time a little bit. But what I thought at the time was like, oh man, everyone's going to copy me and do exactly what I'm doing. Like after I do this, because like, why wouldn't they? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then no one did. Yeah. And I thought, geez, that's so weird. And I thought about it like over and over, like all the time. Why, like, why didn't anyone ever see what I just did and then replicate it? Because it was like a great marketing strategy. Then I realized like, not yeah. everyone's like a hustler like me. People like to do the bare minimum. Not everyone wants to take action, do something different, totally. do something crazy. And then so when you reached out to me, because I was thinking about it for so long, I wonder who's going to be the person. When you reached out to me and you said, hey, I'm thinking about doing a wedding expo, just like how you did it. I was like, holy shit, this is the person. And this is the person that will make it happen. <laughs> and, I, and it kind of just like, it was really funny because yeah. it was like, as if, I was waiting for someone to reach out and then you were the person that inlined yourself and then made it happen. And I was like, that's amazing. Totally. How funny is that? I don't know. I don't understand why more people didn't do it. I mean, yeah, maybe it is that people are really busy and not inspired to. It's a lot of work. An expo is so much work. <laughs> it's it's a lot of work. And here's the thing, like, um, and people got to understand, and I say this all the time, like success goes to those that, like do what other people are willing, not willing to do. Right. So if, if you're willing to do a little bit of extra work and what I've realized over the years is it's like when people say like the 1%, I I say like the 99% and I say like the 99% of people always do bare minimum. So if they could pay for a directory listing, that's what they'll do. If they could just go to someone else's expo, that's what they'll do. And they will never take it upon themselves to actually take on some risk and do something a little bit different. That's what it is. I think it's the risk. I think people are really terrified of the risk and what could happen and what could go wrong. And I mean, I had no expo experience. I've been in the industry for like about six months at that point. Like, it was very new. I think everyone was like, who is this chick <laughs> trying to run a wedding expo? And she doesn't even know the industry. But it somehow worked out for me. So I, I am very pro risk taking. I think do it as much as you can. Such a good learning experience. Love that. So it has sort of. Um... The cool thing, like the people that don't know about, this is what's amazing about it, right? You've niched down. You've got this tiny little market. And so what people do is they get scared because they're like, well, I don't know if my client's going to find me. Like, I don't know what to do. Then what you did is you went step two. Okay, I've got a small niche. Now all I need to do is find the right people that love what I do and get them to me. And then you went proactive and then you surrounded yourself with like-minded vendors with the same kind of clients and then you bring everyone into the same sure. room and then all of a sudden you've attracted those people. And this is what people forget. And this blows my mind. As wedding photographers, we only need to book like 30 weddings. Maybe some of us are ambitious. We want to book 50 weddings. So if you had a wedding expert and a thousand people came, you only need to book like 30 people that whole year. Is it really risky? Like, I don't think yeah. it is. I don't think, I mean, I think it feels like it is when you're, starting out and you don't really know how to do anything you don't know the formula for finding clients I think the wedding industry personally I found an industry that's easier to break into than other art industries art related photography related industries but it really does hey it comes down to the vendors you know and that has been such I mean I was never thinking about doing wedding photography until Jack hired me for her shoot when she was first starting to become a celebrant and was like look you have to do this with me. I'm doing it. I'm not doing it alone. <laughs> Let's do alt weddings and see what happens. And then so much of my work has come through her and just through 
meeting other people. And another really good tip of advice that has been so helpful for me is in my first year, each week, I would find an event who I thought was really cool and probably knew a lot more than I did and asked to take them to coffee. And then I just asked them so many questions. And after that, not only do you learn so much from them, but they'll start referring you for bookings that are. And if you're niche, then they probably already have a lot of friends in the industry, right? But there's, they might have a client who's looking for something specific and they're having a tiny little elopement and they're not going to think of anyone else because that's exactly what you're doing. So you kind of have a little gap there where all these other people who've been doing it for a lot longer, who know everyone, they're not going to get booked for that because this is your specific thing. It's like, it's the same with everything. I mean, I was just laughing the other day that with one of my friends about, this is probably a terrible analogy, but I bought this soap for my sink and it's not only a hand soap, but it's a dishwashing detergent. And I was like, this is a terrible marketing thing. I mean, I don't want something that does two things because it means it does none of them well. And it's the same with the wedding industry. Like if you're doing everything generally, no one's ever going to think this is the exact wedding photographer that we need, or I should refer this exact person because they're doing this. They're fully specialized in something. So I'm just very pro niche. I think it's, it really can't go wrong most of the time if you pick a good niche. Oh yeah. Like the more that you niche, the easier it is to identify your clients, the easier it is to raise your prices, make a lot more money, like things like that. And here's a good little story that I told just a little while ago, but Lilu, my wife said to me the other day, like, Hey, there's this hairdresser I'm thinking about booking into. They only specialize in blonde hair. And so when she told me that, she's like, I'm thinking about, I'm going to go book in. And I said, well, can you even book in? I bet you they're too busy. She's like, what do you mean? I was like, I bet you you won't be able to. And so she contacted them. They're like, oh yeah, no, we're six months ahead booked. And Leela's like, how do you know that? I was yeah. like, because they're niche. And if they're niche, people with blonde hair totally. know they need to go to them for the best perms, for, for the best conditioner, for yeah. the best dyeing, for the best like cuts, like whatever it is, they are the people for it. And they can charge more for it. Totally. Plus how much easier is it? Yeah, and how much easier is it to rank on Google if you're just putting in blonde all the exactly. time rather than people are searching hairdressers? If someone searches blonde hairdresser, there it is. You have and then that. when they land the on their website, they're like, oh my God, this is exactly the person. And here's another one. I've got a friend and she has curly yeah. hair and she goes to the person that only specializes in curly hair cuts. I was going to say this. I know that place because I've been trying to get exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> it's out. like that place is crazy yeah. busy. So I always yeah. think like how, totally. how funny like all that craziness is. Can I tell you a secret? I would love to hear a secret. The funny thing is about this secret is I don't actually remember what it is because I wrote it in front of me and I was like, I've got a secret and I need to tell you the secret. Then I'm like, where's the secret? Why don't I actually write down what the secret is? Why did I just write down the word secret? No, why didn't you do that? You're too busy. Your brain's brain's going all over. over. (laughs) Focusing on all these things. Telling all these different stories. It's four o'clock as well. Need a glass It is four o'clock and it's my birthday tomorrow as well, which is cool. Is it really? Happy birthday, Eve. I do. Re- I remember the secret now. What's the secret? Here's something really funny. Hey, like we, we've met before, yeah. right? Like I would consider you one of my friends. For sure. So I remember a little while ago, I was running this um, workshop for photographers and I actually had a few, I don't know where they came from, but I had a few haters and these haters were wanted to dismiss me because they were saying, Jai is not a great photographer. He's not a great educator or anything. It's who he knows, right? Because he knows people in the industry. He knows yeah. people. That's why he's successful. And what was interesting is from, from my perspective, I was like, you know what? You're correct. I have friends. 
And you know what's even funnier about it? Yeah. While you're criticizing me, you're missing the point. Go make friends in the industry. Go make friends with other vendors. Totally. Go and network. Go make friends. Go take people to coffee. Go ask someone, bring value to someone somewhere, somehow. And yeah, I'm not surprised that, of course, like I've got a lot of my success because I have a lot of friends, because I bring a lot of happiness to a lot of people and they want to be around me. There's no secret there, right? Yeah. But it's funny how like some people miss that point. And so you just gave that bombshell of like, go out there. I met with people that were better, smarter, crazier, talented, more talented than I am. And I picked their brains. And from there, we actually formed a relationship and I did the exact same thing. And of course, from that, yeah, yeah. made friends. <laughs> That's what it is. There's so much of being in business is just actually having the courage to ask people to meet you and people will, especially in the wedding industry. I feel like people are so open and willing to tell you things because there is so much. And the people who've gone to this point of success where you're asking them to go for coffee, they don't have the scarcity mindset. They they have the abundance mindset and they know there's tons of work for everyone. They, they want nothing but to help everyone else. So yeah, I don't know why anyone would hate on anyone for having <laughs> lots of friends in the industry and that being a success. Like, yes, that is how you become successful. I know. It's like, there's no secret there. I'm telling you right now, if you want to... You could That's have been hilarious. friends with me. <laughs> wow, they just couldn't find anything else to be. Yeah, literally, yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. I think I actually intentionally, when I was coming into the industry, yeah, there were certain people I really wanted to meet who I knew of and I followed and you were one of them and I think Ollie and some other people. And then I just started intentionally rocking up a little bit stalker to events where I knew that they would be so that I could meet them because there's so many really accomplished, interesting people in the industry. And they don't have time to just like, you're just going to have to bump into them at some point and ask them, you know, like that's the only way to do it. I don't know. Just no fear. Yeah. I love that. You're literally making your own opportunities. Right. And so even like, it's such a small little mindset shift, but it's like you, you were just in the right place at the right time. Were you? Hey, it might have been an accident, but chances are it wasn't. But it's funny because... It was definitely planned. Yeah, it's definitely planned. And so most a lot of people don't think about that. And so they're in their lounge room right now and they're like, how do I meet people though? But it's like, hey, man, it's not in your lounge yeah. room. You need to get out into the world, go meet these people because the successful people, they're, yeah. they're not in their lounge room. They're out there somewhere doing something, meeting someone, networking somehow, totally. creating content, you know, doing something. You know what I mean? It is so daunting at the start, but I think once you just meet one person who's nice to you and tells you things, and then you can just kind of hang out with them, just tag along and you'll just keep meeting people. And it's really, really easy to do once you get started. I think you just have to push yourself to actually find out about what's going on and go and meet people. Or even if there's no events, because you know, when you're starting, I mean, there's the wedding industry is great for having networking events and everyone's very social. You don't get invited to those stats. No one knows who you are. So that's why I think you should just be taking people out for coffee. And even if you just meet five people in the industry who are great, you'll meet so many people from those people because it's so connected, such a connected scene. You know what's interesting is like I've been on both sides. So I've been at events where someone's trying to come and meet me or at the dog park. I've got someone that meets me at the dog park. And I've also... (laughs) I've been to events where I'm trying to meet people, right? And so what's interesting is when you're the person trying to go to events to meet people, it's like sometimes you have this idea of someone that maybe they're famous, maybe they're well off, maybe they don't want to talk to me, maybe I'm not good enough, you know, all these things in their heads. But what I realized is, especially when I got to the position where people are trying to meet me, it's like, hey, man, I'm just like a normal person, but I'm trying to attract and hang out with people that are high-frequency movers that are like doing things, like things are fun. But hey, guess what? No one really reaches out to me ever because they're like, 
oh no, he's busy. He's, he's famous. He's got a podcast or like whatever it is. And so it blows my mind that I'm like, why did all these people put these crazy limiting beliefs on themselves and they don't get out and go and meet these people that are just human, just like them. Absolutely. That's such a good um, insight though, of being starting off as one of those people who, and even where you are trying to meet these people who are maybe more famous and doing more like the fact that you got Gary V on your um, totally. on your workshop is amazing. But yeah, it's so interesting that you can get to that point and you're still doing that for the next yeah. person. And that's just such a flip. It just shows you that, no, actually these people aren't sitting there thinking I'm so famous and I'm so successful <laughs> yeah, and I'm not going to talk exactly. to anyone below me. Like they're looking to do that too. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think I kind of put it down towards like um, we admire someone because of their courage usually and we know that in their talent and things like that. But I do put it down to like it's you're trying to move yourself towards a more like-minded person. So for yourself, right, it's like you are trying to get out of your comfort zone. So you're already more like-minded to those people that are out of their comfort zone right now and they're networking, they're talking, they're in an event. You want to get into that event so you can talk to those people. But really like you are a high-frequency mover just like they are. You've got projects going on, you've got ideas, you've got creativity, you've got things happening. And you know that if you get into that room with them, then they're going to harbor that creativity with you and they're going to help you and you can brainstorm and they've got connections and there's other things, but they're looking for the exact same thing. And that's why they are there. So I think it's really cool when you think about it like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It really all just comes down to asking for it. Hey, I've learned this so much lately. I've had every time I've had a little success or a little win in my career, whether it's wedding related or just photography related, and I feel so shocked when people say to me, how did that happen? So an example is I recently got um, an exhibition with Ballarat International Photo Biennale. And I've had so many people say to me, how did that happen? Like you're so new in the industry, you know, how did this happen? And I'm, I literally just sent an email and said, I'd like to exhibit. Like that's, that's it. How are all these people who have been like, killing it <laughs> and are so successful? Uh, just like literally it was just like a high please include me in your exhibition. That's all you have to do. You just ask for it and things will happen. But you have to get out there and you have to be shameless enough to be asking for things. And sometimes you might be the annoying person who's constantly spamming someone's, I mean, don't do it too much. (laughs) But but they're the people who are successful and who good things happen to are the people who just put out there what they want. I mean, it's almost kind of like manifestation, except you're directly Mm. doing it. Manifestation with action. And like, guys, Take action out there. Yeah. I'm telling you right now, take action and go make your own break. That's what it's all about. That's what Em's saying here. That's Absolutely. I've been yeah. sitting here for years saying, make your own break. Go do it. <laughs> That's all of it. That's 100% of it. That's the secret. <laughs> hey, Em, so good talking to you today. Uh, where can we find you on social media? So my Instagram is at M Jensen Weddings and my website is mjensenweddings.com. And do you want to leave us with any parting words before you get out of here? Just go for it. Niche down. Take the risk. Um, Now is the best time, really, because the wedding industry is going to flip after all of this lockdown stuff. So if you're thinking about doing it, just put yourself out there and do it and send a message to people like Jai and me and anyone in the industry and buy us a coffee and ask us questions and we'll tell you. People are willing to share. Just put yourself out there. I love it. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much, Jai. Bye.